Welcome to the Zen of Everything, a Zen take on life, love, laughter, and everything else. With Jundo Cohen, a real Zen master. That's me. And Kirk McElhern, that's me, a guy who knows a bit about Zen. Have I ever told you that I hate technology? Yeah, many of us do, but why Why do you hate it? Well, you know, my day job is writing about technology, and it's sometimes interesting, and I like explaining how things work. I was a teacher of English as a foreign language for eight years or so, and so I have that 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 desire to, to share wisdom with people. Mm-hmm. But there are so many things that go wrong so often with technology. I spend so much time trying to fix things that... It's kind of like you before a podcast where you have to unplug and replug things and try to get it right, except when it happens to me, the, I can always figure out the little things. It's the more complicated things. It sometimes takes hours to figure out. Well, the great lesson we've learned through setting up this podcast is the more things go wrong, nothing truly goes wrong. It is what it is. When the mic works, the camera does not. When the camera works, the mic does not. That's the way we do this podcast. Unfortunately, we need both to do it right. Yes. So, But now we got it. Here we are. But I, I have so many technology problems. And, and in my lifetime and your lifetime, we've seen technology, personal technology, increase so much. Yes. Right? When, I, when I was a boy, we only had rocks and fire. We had just discovered fire. <laughs> yes, we had flints and tinder to yes. make fire. Yes. But the more technology we have, the more complicated it gets. So here's another example. You know, with the cost of oil going up so much, um, my house is heated by heating oil. We don't have natural gas in my village. And the price of heating oil has gone up threefold. So I decided to get some of these smart radiator thermostats. Mm -hmm. So when the heat goes on in the house, it doesn't go on in every room. I've got settings for each room for the thermostats. Mm. And this will save on heating oil. Except when I set a schedule in the software, it doesn't always work as I want. And this is really simple. It's turn this on at 8, 8 a.m. and turn this off at 10 p.m. And it doesn't work. And I have to figure it out. And it just gets too complicated. And sometimes it's great to have automated technical solutions, but sometimes it's just frustrating. No, the the, the the thing where we had character when we were young is that when you turn on the radiator and you just sweat, it was either too hot or too cold and you just bore up with it, right? And that's what's wrong with these kids these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is more of an economic thing because, uh, I mean, I won't go into the details, but this is costing me a lot of money to, to heat my house now. The, the Japanese actually used to make the kids go to school in the winter in short pants just for their reason. <laughs> You know, and they keep the windows open in the classroom, you know, for character. Maybe that's why you haven't had much COVID. It could, it could be. I mean, they're, 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 they're pretty tough, you know. No, because of the ventilation. Ventilation is one of the most important things. Yeah, but, yeah, but uh, unfortunately, they did away with that about 25 years ago. And since then, the Japanese have gotten soft. They're soft now. Ah, but, okay. Uh, yeah. But technology is wonderful. It allows us to communicate across, you know, you're half a world away 
It um, kind of cures COVID for... almost. Well, not cure, it, but helps yeah. a little. Not as yeah. much as they said, but it helps uh, apparently a little bit. If you, As long as you get a booster, what is it, every three weeks now, we're, we're going to be okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. It seems to be increasing in China, so it's going to get to you soon again. And we're going to have these waves of different things. But anyway, just about technology. It's such a part of our life now that maybe we need to treat it. Maybe we should have some respect, some reverence for the technology in our lives. We must find the nature in technology. Now, coming back to Japan, this happens to be plum blossom season. And I spent a lovely afternoon just today at a place called Umezono, which means plum blossom garden, which is famous for its, I'll give you a guess. Plum blossoms? Plum blossoms. Yes. I figured that out. Very good. Very good. It is lined with plum blossom trees on all sides, and they are amazing. There is something about not only the color of the blossoms, but the gnarled, that's the word, the gnarled, twisting, uh, how to say, it looks like it could snap at any moment. It has a feeling of of, of being just ephemeral. The, the tree is, is so strong, yet it is so flimsy. And the, the, this is why the Japanese write poems about the plum blossom, thousands of poems. Tens of more poems than you ever want to read about the plum blossom <laughs> they have. And it's not just the plum blossom. This weekend I went hiking by a river and the sound of the water, the mountain itself. Zen folks appreciate nature because just the natural forms and the power of it all and the, the, the way time passes through it all as the seasons change, it teaches our hearts something. And this is kind of the opposite of what technology teaches us, which is it has to have a very precise clock. The shapes are very square. It's ephemeral, too, because they make the stuff to break. You know that, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like the cherry blossom. You know, it goes one season, and then you got to get the new one next time. Yeah. But uh, it's made of plastic and metal. It's not so beautiful. We have to learn, though, to find the nature in our technology to, to recover our wisdom. Does my iPhone have Buddha nature? It does. Dogen said, Master Dogen, the Soto fellow who I push here every week, founder of Soto Zen in Japan, said that broken tiles, fences, stone have Buddha nature. So if that is the case, would he not say motherboards and (laughs) cameras and mics and mouse and uh, little modem gimgaks? All these have Buddha nature. He he probably, he was a great poet. He wrote many poems, by the way, on, can you guess? Plum blossoms? You got it. He, we're going to link to <laughs> about a, a dozen of them. But uh, okay. he, he would have written about the, the modem. I'm sure he would have. Uh, I'm not totally convinced, but I guess, I guess you write about your times, and his time had flints and tinder to make fire and didn't have iPhones and, and cameras. In his day, ink and paper was what we call keyboard and screen. Well, but that technically is technology. It is. It's not natural. It was a human invention. Sure. To take charcoal and make ink and to take uh, bits of uh, horse and uh, tie it uh, at the end of a piece of wood and you have a brush. Yes. Which fit the human hand, which had the opposable thumb, which made it all possible. Yes, it's true. It is technology. Yeah. I I keep telling my cats when they want... When they can't do something like open a door, I say, I can do it because I've got thumbs. You can't. 
Yes, and and your your cat uh, doesn't know what you're saying, so she doesn't really care. But uh, <laughs> did you know though that technology is nature for a very simple reason? Ask me why. Ask me why it's why is technology nature? Because we are nature. We are made of the same things of the as the rivers and the stones, the same stuff as the stars and the moon. So anything we do is technically nature. Now, it seems like man is always doing things opposed to nature, which is true. But we, the human being, can even use nature to oppose nature. For example, a rock. What is more natural than a rock? Nothing. It's a rock. But you can make it into a weapon. I can make a castle out of building them together into walls. I can take a tree and I can use it to, to build a, a house and a mall if I wish. Nature can be misused by us, but you see, we misuse technology. That's the problem. Well, even other animals use technology in some way. Beavers make dams. Um, chimpanzees and different apes use tools. Crows use tools. They gather the little things that we throw away, and they use them sometimes to make holes in trees. So we're not the only ones using tools. Is technology just defined by tools? Is that what it is? Well. Yes, I mean, a, 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 I have seen an ape use a stick to maybe get some ants, you know, for yeah. a little snack. Yeah. But I have never seen an ape use an iPhone. So I must disagree with you on that a bit. And I know you have a, a podcast that's all about uh, new Apple products. You can link to that as well. And uh, have you ever had an ape as a, on as a guest? No. No. <laughs> because they don't have much to say on, on, on uh, new Apple products. <laughs> Though some people would say that some of the new products were designed by apes, but that's a side yes, issue. Yes, yes. that's a different yes. story. Yes. Yeah. But but the whole question of, of man versus nature, I've always found it interesting. I don't know when this dichotomy started. Was it Aristotle? Was it Buddha? Was it, you know, much later in the Enlightenment? But we are nature. We are just an extension of nature. The, the ants out in my garden that make all these ant hills, how is that different from the house that I live in. They're building something. Uh, you might say all human history is, in a sense, our attempt to turn nature in our favor. Agriculture, uh, for example, uh, was an attempt to, before that, we were hunters and gatherers. and We just gathered what was natural. Oh, I want a berry. You stick your hand out. There's a berry. I don't have to do very much. <laughs> I want a fish. You reach in the ocean. There were so many fish in the ocean. You just reach in and you pull one out. It was like that. But then uh, we uh, had uh, uh, a need for more food, and we, so we started uh, to raise rice and wheat and the other products, which led, of course, to war, which is, explains the whole situation uh, that we're in this week in Russia. It was just direct, you know, a direct line right there through Byzantine yep. Empire and the Roman Empire, and here we are. Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, human beings have used technology to turn nature to our benefit. And alas, we have also misused it. This is the issue. I would say we have tamed nature. We have attempted. Yes, we have attempted. Even the famous Japanese garden, you know, is not natural. It's an idealized version of the perfect mountain, the perfect stream done in little stones. And Because nature, you can't control, but you can control the garden. This is, this is man's heart wants actually to regulate nature. That's a good segue into something I wanted to talk about, which is bonsais. Uh, Japanese bonsais are designed 
and they are manipulated to resemble the old gnarled plum blossom. Perhaps yes, or at, more correctly, the old trees that are that are wind blown up on the mountains. Mm. And so this is a way of taming nature to create a form that seems to be pleasing to reproduce this form, but to force a tiny tree to take on a form that it wouldn't have naturally. It also, it's easier to get in the living room. True. You know, because, uh, yeah, the whole tree, you need a lot of space, which, you know, some people could afford, but it was easier to keep it on a shelf. Yes. But there, there is something more than that, because it was an attempt to capture, as Aristotle would have said, the essence. I think, the perfect plum blossom shape in the miniature, right? So uh, there's nothing wrong with technology. Our whole history is about technology. The trouble is now that we've made these wonderful discoveries that we're doing what Buddhists say, we're using them for excess. We're attached to them, right? If I lose my... my Hold on, let me just check my phone. I think I got a notification. Not during this podcast, baby. Wait till it's after. My son bricked his uh, iPhone this week. Ooh. You know? Yes. Which my reaction was very zen. I said, $600! (laughs) That's, no, I I said, uh, I I bowed to him and I said, we are all, uh, you know, we all make mistakes. And then I said, $600! (laughs) But uh, he, he, so uh, he uh, taught me a lesson in impermanence and non-attachment, non-attachment to my money impermanence uh, because uh, I got the insurance for the impermanence on the phone this time. Ah, good. I, I, got, I got the extended uh, plan. Uh, yeah. It teaches us about anger and hate because it seems that we use this wonderful tool of communication called the internet just to write nasty things to each other. I wonder yeah. if they could do that with the scroll and parchment, you know? <laughs> could you be like a, a parchment troll? <laughs> I'm going to write this really bot. nasty parchment. And I'm going to put it on my courier and have him take it over there and walk it over to Siegfried. And yes, but it's it's hard to remain anonymous like that. Yes, it would. So you recently held a service at Tree Leaf hmm. to honor our dead technology. Well, we don't believe in death. I thought that was an interesting idea because uh, I use technology daily for my work, and it's true that as things expire, they there's something that goes away there's something that i miss when i when i say goodbye to one computer and get a new one we you know uh, again we the buddhists don't quite believe in death in the normal way there's we might say that there's the great oh shall we call it cloud the internet <laughs> of the universe that goes on and on and web the web indra's web we speak of you know the yes, great interconnection yes. Yeah, uh, and uh, this is what was before and is and after, but it's the little bits of hardware of which we are too. Yeah, that come and go. So this week uh, we actually repurposed a very traditional Buddhist ceremony called a kuyo, an offering for the little tools and implements and items that make our lives possible, and we repurposed it for technology. Now usually. For example, a farmer would ask for this ceremony to kind of have a a, a blessing or a, a sense of gratitude for his farming tool, you know, which make the food that he depends on. A seamstress, a tailor might use uh, this, uh, ask the temple to to kind of, it's a kind of, I don't want to say a blessing, but a gratitude for the broken needles that were the handiwork for being a seamstress, for example. 
So we have a Sangha that is connected by light and electricity and the internet of the World Wide Web. So this year, our technology expired. Now, the first time we did this ceremony was 11 years ago. The second time was only three years ago, which shows that it's speeding up here. But we finally replaced the computer and the camera in our Zendo, and uh, we had a little ceremony of gratitude. Now, it, you're going to link to it, and I have to say, Buddhists can have a little sense of humor. So we spoke about the motherboards of motherly compassion. Yes, yes there, there are some very clever uh, texts in the recitation there. Who wrote that, by the way? Uh, that was uh, three fellows from our Sangha. There was Bion, Koshi, and Sekishi. Shout out to them. Very good work. Yep. There, I, I dumped in a couple of uh, little lines. It had me laughing a couple of times, and I felt a bit irreverent to be laughing at a, uh, a service like that. Well, it, it, come on, we're chanting to computers. Of course, it's a little tongue-in-cheek, but, <laughs> but, but, but it's, not, it's not really. It was a serious, humorous uh, service because the most touching moment was when I went up to the old laptops and I closed their covers, as I also did to my uncle Leo when he passed. You know, I closed the cover <laughs> on the box there. And we bowed. And we're sending them now for recycling. And we said, may they continue in the ocean of merit, but not in the oceans of the earth. <laughs> we hope they are properly recycled because their warranties of life have expired. And they have gone on to the, get this, the pure lan, L-A-N, the pure lan, you know, pure land. It's a little inside Buddha, Buddha humor there. Well, one thing that's interesting is the interconnectedness of all these things. And Apple announced some new products last week. And every time they announce products, they like to tout how much uh, recycled material they use. And I think for one of them was 100% recycled, or at least for most of the materials. And computer companies, you know, in the early days, they just threw these things into a landfill. But now they realize how valuable it is. You want to get all that. There's gold in computers and phones. There's uh, lithium that's actually dangerous to not recycle. There's lots of unobtainium that they're always trying to get more of. So all of these devices get taken apart and and reconfigured into new devices. And your old computer may be part of my next iPhone. I would hope so. I would hope so. But I, I still think we can do a better job on this because the plastic casing and a lot of the less valuable parts tend to just um, not get treated with such respect. Is that not so? No, it, it depends on, on the company. Um, there are companies whose job is to recycle products and they recycle everything. And if the plastic can't be reused, it'll be disposed of in a certain way. It won't be burned or anything like that. I'll see if I can find the video that Apple made a few years ago of their recycling robot that would take an iPhone apart and pull all the parts out. And I think Apple's at the forefront of this in terms of uh, actually not wasting anything. Because you have to remember, this costs money to buy new materials. And if they have old materials that don't cost money, even the cost of processing is cheaper than buying the new materials. And did they have other robots to recycle the recycling robots when they're... Well, I, <laughs> it just goes on like that. Well, that's yeah. good to know. And that's what we need to do more of uh, in this world. We need to use our equipment wisely, you see. Use it in moderation. We have to learn to switch off at certain times. We may need to actually say that, okay, I will keep my phone on for two or three hours a day, and I will just turn it off. 
and let the what happens in the world happen. And it, it, it's an addiction. It's really hard for me to do that. I think many really hard for many of us to do that. We need to bring ethics to what we write, the precepts. Don't write in anger. Don't write uh, in things about jealousy or, or uh, attempts to be prideful in excess. You know, there goes Facebook's uh, business model right there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> take away the pride and the anger. What do they got left? What do they got left? Cat, Cat photos. photos. Yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, we must uh, use our technology to bring connection. You see, it's not the technology's fault. It's the human heart that is bringing the same ugliness uh, that is in us just to this these new forms and and I think these new forms of communication just bring out the worst of us tenfold that's the trouble I think one thing we need to do more is to respect our tools and and I use the term tools very widely um my tools are my iMac my keyboard my iPhone my microphone these are all tools but also I'm thinking of the tools I have in the kitchen a couple of years ago, I bought two really nice Japanese carbon steel knives, and they were fairly expensive, and they have taught me to respect my knives a lot more than I would have in the past, because you have to clean them off, make sure there's no water so they don't rust, they're not stainless steel. You have to, they're relatively fragile, so you have to, you can't just dump them in a dishwasher or toss them in a sink. And we need to have that sort of respect for all of our tools, I think. Oh, lovely. Yes, yes. Uh, and which is why I'm still using, uh, you've teased me because I'm still using a couple of computers with Windows 95 running because I respect them. I will not upgrade. <laughs> you can't do that. You can only do that to us. No, I, I'm just kidding. I'm way beyond uh, Windows 95. I'm already, already up to Windows 7. We can do this, but they force us, I think, to constantly replace and not respect the old with technology. You can have a Buddha statue that's a thousand years old. You can have a sword or a knife that's hundreds of years old and honor it. But who honors their old flip phone? Oh, this is from the 90s. It's a classic. <laughs> it's a classic you see here. And we're, please bid on it. It's worth nothing now. This is the trouble with the technology. It forces us to constantly appreciate the new as opposed to the old. That is a problem. I think there's a certain point where we have to say enough is enough. This is a Zen teaching. When we get to a certain level of technology, why do we need to constantly improve? You know? Well, well, to start with, technology wears out over time. It's not that it wears out from overuse, but the components wear out, the battery goes down. Of course, you should know that you can replace a battery in a phone. You don't buy a new phone because the battery's dead. But these devices wear out over time. Interestingly, you could take a stereo system from the 1970s and plug it in today, and unless something's blown, it's still going to work fine. But with newer technology where it's got chips and stuff in it, it's not quite as long-lasting because some, some little power surge can fry a chip, whereas your solid-state um, Sansui uh, stereo receiver from the 1970s will still be working fine today. Well, as you know, the turntable from the 60s or 70s still has its charms. By the way, we're going to pump all your podcasts today. He also has this great music podcast. Check it out with Kirk. But you also often talk about the charms of vinyl. And you would think, though, that, you know, do we talk about the charms of, oh, I miss those CDs. CDs are now a thing of the past, you know. No, actually, there's a CD revival going on now. 
And, and I think this is a generational thing, right? After A generation after something becomes less popular, it becomes popular again. In, in Japan, there was a mini revival of the pager. Hmm. You know, we, we, we went through a pager phase just before cell phones, if, if some of you yeah. remember, which was great. You could send like funny little messages on the pager, you know, if you turn it upside down. Yeah. It was like a little... It was a great, and they eliminated recently the last pager uh, channel, and there was a whole bunch of really old, you know, pager fans who were really upset about that. You know, <laughs> not too many. There was like actually, it was like five guys. Five guys were left, yeah, looking for their pager. Who just sent things about plum blossoms to each other, yeah, back and forth. But uh, the technology, if we bring wisdom to it, uh, I, I said that the sutras, the Buddhist traditional teachings, were written first, they were spoken orally, and then they were on parchment. But now the computer is where our sutras are contained. And if the computer contains a sutra, is not the computer sacred? Or if there is a Buddha image you could summon up, or a teacher who can give a teaching, or some Buddhist podcast to listen to? Is this not a sacred podcast, I say? <laughs> well, sacrilegious podcast, maybe. but. Uh, Technology is not the problem. It's what human beings do. Your knives can be weapons, Kurt. Use them well. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. Tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.